0: Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is here to guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you by sharing examples of how other people are making meaning in their lives. This week, I am sitting down with Bill Dreheim. Bill has been sailing since he was a child and now is one of the best in the game. He holds over 30 national sailing championship titles and owns his own sailmaking company, Dreheim Performance Sales. Bill's experience with being a professional athlete, owning a company in that field, and being able to compete much longer than other sports might allow has allowed Bill a really interesting. Specific experience in crafting his life in meaningful ways. A quick content warning before jumping into the episode we do use one example to illustrate some points that does involve gun violence. So if that is uncomfortable to hear about, please take note. And with all of that covered, let's take a deep breath and get started. Bill, thank you so much for agreeing to take this time to sit and talk with me. I appreciate it.
1: You bet, Reese. Uh, (laughs) Known you for quite a while, and it's fun seeing you doing adult things and uh, (laughs) and creating meaning for many of us.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. So, to get us started, first question is, what's something you're grateful for right now?
1: Something I'm grateful for right now? Well, you know... Probably the number one uh, thing when you person gets to be about my age, I'm uh, going to be sixty-three in a couple of months, and you hear uh, older people talking about their health. But uh, as you as you get to the get to that point in your life, uh, certainly there's truth to it. You see people struggling, and and I think those of us yeah. that still aren't really are very grateful that, that they keep doing the things that we've been doing for for decades. And yeah, so, uh, especially yeah,
0: since sailing is such a physically demanding sport that you can still you're still fully capable of doing all of that
1: right it's my favorite passion and if I get unhealthy it'll have to be curbed
0: yep yeah second question to kind of open up our conversation and see where it takes us is what is your story whatever that means to you it's a very open-ended broad question but how would you describe your story
1: yeah um you know, it's interesting. There were a number of influences that kind of got me into what I do. Um, you know, I, I I make sales for a living and I, and I race sailboats and, and it's been very successful, but like many people when I was young in school, high school and trying to figure out what to do, I, I really didn't know. I mean, I was okay academically. I wasn't that motivated academically. Um, I was doing fine. I, um, my father had a dental practice, and I just thought maybe that would be a great idea to uh, take over his dental practice, something that was established. And right. I talked to him about it, and my dad didn't give me a lot of uh, a lot of uh, demands or even a lot of guidance. He kind of let me find my own path, but that was one point in my life where he said, Son, I don't enjoy this, and I know you wouldn't enjoy it, and I think you should do what makes you happy in life. Mm. And a lot of us hear that. We've all heard that over time. But I kind right. of took it to heart. And um, so this was maybe when I was 16 years old. And at, at that point, it became clear to me that whatever my skill set was, um, you know, the, the, the qualities that are, that are necessary to become great at sealing, I had that. And, uh, and, and that was my main passion because that was what I was really excelling in. And I was just fortunate that um, along the way there were some opportunities to get involved in the sport from a from a um, from, from a business end. Yeah. And um, and so that that's where I went, and uh, and I'm glad I did.
0: Yeah. So in talking about that and that decision, you're you kind of talked about how you had the skill set to be able to pursue that. Where do you see the intersection of talent and skill set and passion. Do you think that talent comes from having a passion for something or that that's an intrinsic value that then you build passion from?
1: No, I definitely think it's intrinsic. I mean, I'm, okay. a, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent that, that we all have skills and right. we all have abilities based on innate qualities. And whatever you're doing, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a, a football player, whether, whether you're a psychiatrist or, or involved in sailboat racing... It's it, it's it's a certain set of qualities that only certain people have, and and that's why I think competition is so important because that helps mm. bring out what those qualities are. We all can presume we want to do something because of the passion you suggested. Passion and that right. that's what can send us down the path, but until we run the test, be it a test academically at TCU or. If in chemistry, or, or be it uh, running the hundred yard dash, or getting in my case, getting involved in sailboat races, you're, you're not going to know. I mean, you're going to your passion is going to lead you down the path for a while, but eventually, you're going to figure out whether you have the skill set for that or not. It's so important to maintain competition because that's what brings out ability.
0: Interesting. So, of course, sailboat racing is rooted in competition, like the main way that you practice the sport when it's not just for fun is in racing do you think that that was really instrumental in your own development and your skills as a sailboat race yeah
1: absolutely that 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 was that was the test that at the end of the sailboat race either i did well or i didn't and if i did well i could tell that i was i was good at it so yeah. there would have been no way to uh decide whether or not i, I was going to be great at this and unless we ran the races right know? and we you- could all go out there and practice together and and we're all doing the same thing and we're all getting better but until you really run the race you, you don't know whether you you, you you can be great at
0: it right you have this live action comparison right. that actually lets you measure up against people and see where you land Sure. do you think because for me personally anytime i'm in a competitive environment i feel myself take on like a different energy mm-hmm. and a totally different mindset when i approach things and like who I was when I played sports growing up is very different from, or like when we play board games, I am in a totally different competitive state. Do you feel that way about competition? And Oh yeah. And
1: it's, it's not the same exact fun feeling you have when you're laying on the couch watching, watching the game and right. drinking a beer. There's, there's emotions and some of the emotions are tough. I bet it's gratifying in the end. It's tough because there's stress, you know, there's nervousness, yeah. um, there's all the demands that you've put on yourself to excel. And and so those are, you know, they're not always the most pleasant feelings, but those are the ones that, you know, are going to push us through life better.
0: Yeah. And actually help you grow. So from, don't let me put words in your mouth, but competition is really a space to grow. Correct. Okay.
1: Correct. I it's like that. a stepping stone. And and yeah. if you don't if you avoid I just think if you totally avoid those kind of emotions and do lay on the couch permanently, well, I mean, you you know where that leads. Yeah. Nowhere, right?
0: Nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. So also going back to you talking about your dad having a dental practice and him saying, you know, you really should pursue what you enjoy, I actually feel like that's really you know, we we like you said, we do all hear that, but I think when it comes down to what parents really want for their kids, it's actually really rare for a parent to say, go after the less finan- the more financially risky option yeah. that actually is going to make you happier. So when you said that you really took that to heart, what was that like for you? Was it just a paradigm shift in the way you thought about your approach to life?
1: No, it really was, and, and partially because my dad didn't throw a lot of advice at us. There were four mm. kids. He had a lot going on. He was struggling with his own stuff. I mean, he was raising... I mean, Mom and dad were obviously raising us well. But, right. but But there wasn't that kind of intense focus. I think back in those years, there wasn't kind of the same... What do they call it now? Like the soccer moms and where, yeah. the, where the parents are really, really intensified on the children. Right. The helicopter but there, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, but there wasn't that much back then. And so when he went out of his way to make some, you know, real meaningful statement to me, I I thought, I thought that it was important because he was, he was willing to throw that at me. And I thought, well, I better take this to heart. And, um, so yeah, it, it, it did clear the way for me to pursue something I thought wasn't so, you know, accepted, you know, obviously in the community I grew up, if I were to take over the dental practice, it would have been thought of as a, smarter thing to do i mean grew up in a traditionally in a, yeah grew, grew up in an environment where there were right. a lot of uh, successful people and kind of doing the right thing to so you could buy the fancy station wagon yeah
0: so you also say that you know it's the traditionally more like intellectual thing there's a lot of successful people but i do think success is such a personally defined thing and obviously you chose to take this passion route instead of dental practice right how do you define success
1: well i mean obviously there's got to be some sort of enough financial reward so you can you know put a house over your head and Mm -hmm. and food and all that sort of thing so so unfortunately i mean obviously there's a minimum financial Mm -hmm. uh requirement but 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 i think it's uh you know for me the the ability to uh to, to To set competitive goals and mm. um, and I'm, I'm um, I also noticed when I was getting into the sport just so much joy being out on the water away from humanity. I'm kind of a loner, so I don't like being around a lot of people a whole <laughs> lot. And you get out on the water. This is a great way to avoid people. But just yep. being out on the lakes or being out on open water just so thrilling for me that the whole concept of it being out there and, and the racing aspect and the mm-hmm. fact that it's gratifying just because I'm successful, um, um, I I just, I just think it's allowed me to, 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 to be a lot more at peace. It's not just the sailboat racing and it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not just the sport, but, um, pretty early on I was able to run my own business. And I think people that do that, regardless of the type of business are, they find a lot more contentment because they're making Mm. their own decisions. Um,
0: you're not really answering to anyone else,
1: right? You're not answering to anyone else. It's 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 again. It's a little more. It, it's like we we're talking about earlier. It creates some of those stresses and anxiety mm-hmm. because you're not sure you can pull it off, and you and you're not just being able to rely on a, on a monthly paycheck. Yeah. But um, it gives you the ability to set your life in a way you want to. And yeah. Some of the simplest things that I can take advantage of, which brings me happiness, is instead of being committed to having to show up at a job at 8.30 in the morning because the boss requires it and the company requires it, I set my own schedule. Mm -hmm. Just being able to show up late and work late and and set my own schedule is, is, is gratifying.
0: So obviously setting your own schedule, owning your own business provides more freedom and flexibility with your schedule. Do you think it provides in a reverse way constraints on the way you live your life too that maybe a nine to five might not have or no do you think it's just like it it just provides this whole freedom even if there are some drawbacks
1: no i think you're right i I mean i think there are some constraints because because being the nine to five worker the things we just talked about maybe aren't so pleasant but then you're able to check out at five and and you do have freedom for your own time afterwards and whatever the set vacation schedule is but yeah for me or for you know, lots of people that aren't an hourly. If you, if when the work is up, you have to be there all the time. Might be yep. seven days a week, and so it's a little bit more more of a roller coaster. And yep. And the only way to keep up the business going is to pay attention to if you do have to be there many hours. So <laughs> yeah. So it the, comes and goes.
0: Right. Well, and also I think tying your passion into your business gets into this area where there's not as much of the work life balance distinction. But I mean, I've always been someone who I'm like, I want my work to be my passion. Mm-hmm. I just want to be paid for getting to live my life the way I want to live it. Right. right. Which I think is obviously like a very rare thing to be able to do, but it sounds like that's kind of your outlook as well.
1: It is. It isn't. And, and even that goes back to, you know, the, I guess Thriving on competition. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in there making sales and I know I'm going up against my competition and... Right. Potentially making something for a customer that's going to beat one of my competitors. Yeah. It, just that in itself gives me drive to, to do it and show up. And It's also it's not really an art, but, um, it's sort of an art. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of, it's, 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 it's a lot of high, high hand comp, uh, coordination. And, mm, um, mm. and, uh, so, you know, physically it's, it's a fun thing to do. Uh, yeah. Creating things. You know.
0: Absolutely. Well, and it's also a feat of engineering because to make sales for sailboats, you're, I imagine there's a lot of math that goes into that. I'm mean, like, I don't know the first thing about it, but to create something that works with nature but is also honing it and using it to for this very specific end goal like that takes a lot of like focus and time to craft those really intentionally to be able to do that i would imagine
1: yeah i know you're right there, there, there's math involved with the, the sail itself and then understanding how the the boat's rig works because it Changes shape too. The yeah. mass changes shape depending on how, you, depending on how you, how you set it up. So, so th- those those are fun aspects to it. Yeah. Too. And coordinating all that with a given class rule, and uh, it's not uh, super complicated, but certainly some measurements that have right to, you have to pay attention to.
0: So, another thing that you mentioned earlier that I kind of want to go back to is you said when you're out on the water and you're alone, and you know whether that's racing or just leisurely sailing that you find this sense of peace what do you think that is where does that peace come from i just
1: think it comes from a number of things um uh i think much like some people you know i can be a bit of a germaphobe just staying away <laughs> from people is is gratifying yes yes um, just you know, and someone I've never met. I don't really know. How I'm going to interact with them. I, I I don't know the setup. Just you know, getting gas at the gas station that creates some you know some caution lights, just to be careful of everyone around me. Yeah. And when you get out away from uh, people that are walking around next to you, it's just it's a it's a bit of a relief to uh, to not have to uh, deal with those kind of interactions. Yeah, you're so amazingly that's a that's a big part of it.
0: You're in perfect yeah. solitude.
1: And and also just visually most of these places where we are so impressive with beautiful homes on the on the shoreline it'd, it'd be much like i think people can equate this to either playing golf or watching a golf tournament i mean that's a beautiful setting to be hanging out in and yeah so that, that creates a fair bit of joy just being in that kind of environment yeah
0: in this kind of beautiful surrounding how can you not just appreciate right the beauty um So another question that I usually like to ask, it's inspired by a Martin Luther King Jr. quote, where he said that how we are helping other people is life's most pressing and urgent question, which I do think it's really important to help other people. But I also think that we all have some sort of pressing and urgent question that we are most likely trying to answer in our life. So one, do you have a pressing and urgent question That you think is, you know, one that you've been asking that you really want to pursue, and that you may not have an answer for, but that asking that question is really important to you.
1: Well, I don't know if I have a question, but for the first part of the what you mentioned about Martin Luther King, as far as Mm -hmm. um, what was the first part of um, Um, educating others, helping others, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I think that's a huge part of uh, of life. For me, and I think for a lot of people, if you if you become an expert in whatever you do, I think there's a tremendous amount of satisfaction in trying to teach others. And yeah. um, and, and I, I give a lot of you know seminars, both uh, on shore and out on the water, coaching people. Um, I do my own little uh, educational video about it, I don't know every couple of weeks, or certainly when I'm at a at a at a race. And the whole premise of that is is to teach what. We found on the water was working on that given day, and so um, I, I really only run it through Facebook. I look at Facebook, and a lot of people are, you know, taking pictures of what kind of food they're eating, yep. or or uh, taking pictures of when they're on vacation. But but I've never used it that way. I don't, I don't, I'm not really judging whether that's the way I use it or not. Right. But I but I thought um, you know I can use this tool as a as a as a as a, as a quick educator. So so uh, I call it. Uh, what do I, I don't even like call it. I call it Dreheim performance perspectives, but, mm-hmm. but we'll try to come in at the end of the day and give a three or four minute lesson on what we thought was happening out there. And I, I find that very, very gratifying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think it is about helping, educating other people that is gratifying? Is it that you've worked so hard at perfecting this skill that now you also get to share it? Or is there something else there? No, I
1: think there's something else there. You know, earlier we're talking about, <clears throat> up to this point, we're talking about um, how, how do I create meaning for myself, yeah. right? And it was most of my own conquests, but um, this huge amount of meaning and satisfaction when you're able to help others. Very, very, very satisfying.
0: In terms of, <laughs> now this is a heady question, but end life goal and these things that bring you a lot of meaning? Do you think that pursuing that satisfaction and joy is an end in and of itself? Or is there something else that helping other people, educating other people, thriving in competition are all working towards? Is there something bigger at the end of that? Or is it just these things in and of themselves are really valuable and worthwhile or a combination of both.
1: No, I think that's it. I don't, I don't think there's anything bigger at the end. I don't, I don't think there's a grand prize or or a grand goal. Um, um, I couldn't imagine what it would be. Um, You know, I I think, you know, one area where it was sort of easier to have a grand goal was raising a child. We raised our son and there and kind of set out through the, through the, chain of raising that, that to try to get him to the point where we thought it should be and, and yeah. it worked out great and so there was an end goal there and now he's off and on his own and mary right. has a great job and so so all, all all the steps that led up to that certainly there was an end goal mm-hmm. but uh as, as far as um helping others in in my area of expertise or continually pursuing it i don't i don't really know if there's an end goal i mean at one point in my life i wanted to ha- I wa- there was not really an angle but there was a there was a there was a there was a top goal which was mm. to make it to the olympics uh, right our sport is one that is in the olympics and that would have been achieving the highest level in the sport sure. and uh, i didn't quite make it close and i tried and now i'm at the point in my life where i'm I'm not physically capable anymore. (laughs) So I suppose there was a a competitive end goal, I should say. And now it's all sort of gravy.
0: Yeah. But I mean, not making it to the Olympics, but getting some world championships is not too bad of a consolation prize.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've I've had plenty of success. I'm not complaining, but that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay. So then also thinking of these things in a more cosmic sense, right, Mm -hmm. that just within our life that we're living, there's not really some grand end goal. Do you see that also transferring into, like, the afterlife, that there's not really anything at the end? The, The point and purpose of meaning right now is just to make the most of these moments and helping and connecting other people? Or is there something more in that, like, cosmic metaphysical sense
1: yeah i mean that's a great question and that that would extend things and honestly all i can say is i don't know
0: yeah
1: i I just don't know (laughs) i wish i did some people obviously have huge feelings about this committed to a strong yes or a strong no but i i don't know if I've seen the right signals for anything out there.
0: Yeah. So when you say you just don't know, do you feel like you fall more in the... If there is cool, but I, I haven't seen anything. If there's not cool, I'm fine. Or do you feel like you fall more... I don't really believe in something bigger, but if I'm proven wrong, that's okay.
1: Yeah, I guess it could be something like that. Okay. And, and, and um, you know, if we're, if we're talking... You know religion and especially a lot of the the, the christianity morals i think mm-hmm. you know if, if they're following you know what we call the golden rule you know right you do unto others as they would do unto you i, I think those are fantastic guidelines for society mm-hmm. so i don't certainly don't have any issues with that i think it's a wonderful <laughs> right. way and i think certain people need certain sort of motivations to maintain in society yeah um, some do some don't and don't need the motivations and some just refuse to be part of it and, Yeah, and it's so it's, it's tricky it's hard mm-hmm. it's hard to figure out why some people just uh you know happily uh, get a gun and blow someone away when they're 15 years old and spend the rest yep. of their life in jail it's it's i don't understand it but yeah. it's hard to keep everybody on track
0: yeah so religion can certainly serve because I always view religion and spirituality as separate things and you can be a religious person a spiritual person or both a religious and spiritual person or neither but that religion is more of these guidelines right of how you live your life of values of actual actions you take whereas spirituality is like just the connection that you feel to something bigger than yourself and that that's kind of the distinction there but I think a lot of people, specifically religious people, that do have these um, guidelines and rules sound so stringent, but rules for how to live a meaningful, ethical life, you know, not everyone believes this. I don't want to overgeneralize, but a lot of religious people think that that's necessary to, you know, keeping on the straight and narrow, encouraging values and ethics and obviously you're not a devout religious person. What would you say to that in terms of someone who doesn't necessarily practice that but still holds values and ethics?
1: Yeah, I think I think for people that think it through and end up doing correct things, especially as it relates to, you know, like I said the golden rule, I think they're just making smart almost what I want to call risk reward decisions, mm. you know, and they're thinking it through and someone who says, you know, if I could potentially take this gun out and blow away my neighbor and take all his stuff without any risk maybe I'd do it but if you if you if you're some if you're somewhat you know thoughtful about that you'd say the (laughs) risk is I spend the rest of my life in jail Mm -hmm. and I don't want to do that so I think people are making honest risk reward decisions about how they treat others yeah and that's the thing I think that helps us to make the correct decision because you wouldn't want you know, negativity spread to someone else to come back at you from Mm -hmm. them if you thought it all the way through. And I think that's where people get off track is they don't quite think it all the way through. Mm.
0: Got it. So you don't necessarily need to have these guidelines. No,
1: but I do think you need personally to understand uh, what's the full ramification of what I'm going to be doing next.
0: Yeah. So obviously in the example you used, the ramification, there would be jail right life in prison whatever but well not whatever but depending on the state that you're in the extent of the punishment blah 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 do you think there are other ramifications besides so obviously that's like a physical consequence that comes when you break a severe law and of course there would also be social ramifications where even if you weren't put in jail but someone learned that you had murdered someone you would probably lose your friends lose your family like you would probably be a social outcast there'd be consequences there besides those risks or those potential consequences do you think there's anything else internal that keeps people from hurting others making bad decisions besides the external factors and consequences
1: no i, I do and, and i think the um you know, the great examples are when you watch children grow mm-hmm. up in the same family, the exact same social environment, the exact same family structure, and probably the exact same rules. Right. And the kids all act differently. Mm-hmm. Some are easy to deal with. Some are hard to deal with. Some you can't even keep control of. So, so yeah, I think a lot of it is is innate um, more so than social structure.
0: Yeah, so you also have those innate things. Where do you think... The innate comes from is it a genetic thing or is there something else at play which again i don't think has to necessarily imply a designer or a god or anything like that but is there something else a little bit more non-physical well, it could, be. And I could be. I know. I mean, yeah. I know you're
1: spiritual, and there could be some guiding light that, we're, sure. that we don't understand. I mean, I'd like to think it's genetic. I'm just not okay. that spiritual, but I, no, yeah. I have no idea. But but it yeah. is interesting that people um, end up so different with yeah with such similar uh, you know genetic makeups.
0: Yeah, but we are like you were saying. I do think a lot of it is impacted by genetics. We're seeing more and more all of these studies that show how um, mental illness, for example, you can trace back through ancestry. And there was a study done on um, children that were adopted from Russian families. And there was this huge mass adoption into Dallas like 20 years ago, of like 50 Russian kids and almost all of these Russian kids had horrible behavioral problems. A lot of them had mental health issues and just really poor social skills on the whole. Well, the parents who adopted all of these kids started doing research and they're like, why do we all have the same experience? Cause they were adopted into good families. Mm-hmm. Turns out, most of these kids were from a Russian mafia that had everyone had been either murdered or gave up their kids so that they would have a better life. And they were babies when they were adopted. There was no reason that they were exposed to violence or anything like that. And yet, the genetics of potentially being related to people that are attracted to a violent lifestyle can still come through there.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. I just wrote a sailing article and it's sort of along the same lines. Um, yeah, that's why I think DNA has a lot or has a lot to do with it. A little bit different angle, but... Sure. They, they, psychological tests. They put all these kids in a room and um, with one piece of candy and they would tell the kids if they could sit there and wait for some extended period of time, they would get a second piece. Mm. Well... Some of the kids couldn't handle it. They just went ahead and ate (laughs) the piece of candy that was there. And some waited, you know, instant gratification, gratification versus delayed gratification. Right. Then they track these kids later in life. And the kids that waited were far more successful.
0: That is so interesting. Yeah. And of course it's not, I mean, maybe if you're five and you have some parenting or you know, rules or guidance at that point that says, you know, delayed gratification is something that we care about and that's subliminal. Or maybe the kids that are taught something like there's some sort of correlation with other lessons their parents teach them or something. But even then that seems like a pretty inherent drive to either wait or to eat the candy.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could almost relate it to the Russian mafia group where, whatever they're going to make happen, they're going to make it happen right now with it's has yeah. gone or whatever. And not thinking about how that translates to long-term.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what those long-term consequences and risks really are too. So thinking about this risk reward kind of system that you were saying you believe in, do you think that this kind of genetic question and, Obviously, we're talking a little bit with like nature and nurture, but that that impacts the way people approach that too, that genetically, some people are more predisposed to make higher risks and, or, and some people are much more risk averse and that is part of our kind of genetic inherent makeup.
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah. And it could be the risk or gratification, but, but yeah, I think people make decisions um, um you know their their internal makeup for sure, yeah,
0: yeah, so then thinking about how you've chosen to live your life pursuing this thing you're very passionate about, but also you have the skills and the talents that match up with that, did you view that as a risky decision or as just a this is the right decision, and if so, do you think you're someone who is? risk averse or takes a little bit more risk?
1: Uh, I I'm not quite sure about the, the last part of the question, but but yeah, I c the fact that I knew that I was really good at what I was doing, I could look at it and probably see that I could be successful down the road. A little bit less a of a lot of people jump into things a they buy a business and they don't know anything about it and then and then, you know, eight months later, they're out of business. But I, I could see that with my abilities, it would be something that would probably sustain.
0: Right. And there's a certain amount of risk in everything, right? Yeah, but of course. The, yeah. that was something that you would be more capable of than your average Joe. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. I don't
1: think I would have been successful trying to, you know, open a... A golf store, you know, learning about golf and I couldn't (laughs) interact with the customers. Yeah. So would I have to take some cues from ability?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And listening to yourself and, you know, what you really can and can't do.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So are you ever doing things intentionally with the purpose of this is going to be a meaningful experience or do you find that you're drawn to do things and then you take meaning from it
1: um yeah i mean on a daily basis i don't know if it's if 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 um the drive of finding meaning is is quite there i think it's just the just kind of the the raw understanding of of getting work done that needs to yeah. be done and being motivated to well obviously you're satisfying people when you do that yeah. pe- people are you know counting on you to trade money for product or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And, and you better feel an obligation to, to make a commitment to, we, we, you know, we can call it a contract, whether right. there's money involved or a verbal contract. And, and so they're gonna be obviously satisfied if I come through and it's uh, not gonna be pleasant if I don't. So I, yep. I guess I am trying to, um, you know, respond to people's desires. Yeah. Make them happy. That's going to make them happy for sure. They want a new sale. I'm going to give them one.
0: Interesting. So, and then of course you obviously have a desire to make them happy. So it's almost like your desire is just responding to someone else's desire. Do you think that's a big part of our kind of societal makeup that we are just responding to each other's desires and yeah. wants and needs. Yeah,
1: it almost goes back to that golden rule. Do yeah. unto others as you want them to do unto you. And uh, yeah, I think that's super important.
0: Do you think that our desire to help other people or meet other people's desire desires comes from our a, a, a personal sense of gratification or that it can be actually just to help other people, for instance, Dreheim performance perspectives, the videos you post, do you think that, I guess I'm really just asking about altruism. Do you think that those things that you're posting is, are genuinely solely just to provide information for other people or is our drive to meet other people's desires selfishly motivated?
1: I think it's both. I think again, again, it's it's like we were just talking about the circular uh, interaction of each person helping each other and they help you. And obviously um, there's more to it than just handing out information. It gets my name out there and people become familiar and and potentially work work more with me. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of circular.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to, you know, the rules we set for ourselves in our life is that. Going back to the religion question of values and ethics and golden rule, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who would say that the golden rule has any undesired effects because I think generally that's a pretty safe one. But there are so many rules, especially in religion, that have been used for horrible harm right. and hurt. Right. Wow. I'm all my wheels are turning. Okay. <laughs> so. Final two questions. One, is there anything else that you want to make sure we touch on either because of something we talked about, that you're like, I want to make sure I throw this out there too, or a resource that you want to throw out there, or just something that we didn't even talk about at all, but you want to say?
1: Oh, maybe a couple quick things. I mean, one thing that always drives me is... is and I, and I always do this with my son is have him watch you know they're largely um um athletic inspirational movies but I, I think you can just get so inspired when you watch the underdog uh prosper you know probably mm. my favorite movie to watch is Miracle when the 1980 Olympic team a bunch of college yeah. kids beat up on the best team in the world the Russians and the whole story is fascinating just. Showed how digging real deep, you can probably yeah. accomplish more than you think you can accomplish. So I I always suggest people yeah. try to find inspiration out of you know movies that they can. And I'm not a big fan of fiction, but that, like stuff that really happened can be inspiring. Yeah. And then I saw an, uh, a clip that was really interesting statement recently. And it was uh, an interview, um, I think this woman was brought in for, uh, you know, like a corporate rah-rah type thing. Mm -hmm. She was a college basketball coach, and um, it was a clip of her talking about her players. And uh, she was saying, look, life never gets easier. We always talk about how, oh, a couple years into this job, it'll be easy, or when i'm a sophomore you know i'll know the plays and 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 it'll be a lot easier like right no it never gets easy you always when you accomplish a task it's on to another task Mm -hmm. that's more difficult all that happens through life is you do a better job of handling difficult Mm. because to excel you have to keep handling difficult and you have to create new difficult so If someone's just waiting for the easy street, then they're not going to thrive.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's just new difficult because Mm -hmm. there's also something in that that honors what you've overcome, right? That it's like you've done this before. You've faced difficult and succeeded, Mm -hmm. but now we're looking forward. What's the next difficult? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be any easier, but you can do it again and you can grow. Right. I love that. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing those. And I agree. Miracle is a fabulous movie. And there's so many inspirational movies and TV shows and books and things out there that just serve as a really great reminder to keep pushing and find that inspiration. Okay. Final question (laughs) What is one word that you would use right now to describe how you're feeling just in the moment? And it doesn't have to be a fancy word or anything, but one word.
1: That I'm feeling right now, yes. here on this couch with you. Yes. Um satisfaction. I love it. I think it was, you know, good interview and hopefully some insight. And yeah, that was a great time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It definitely was a lot of insight and I'm really excited to put this one out there, see reactions, and I appreciate your time and energy and generosity of doing this with me i really really appreciate it
1: sure reese and I, I think this is this is great i mean we're we're always trying to push people's buttons to help others be happy and succeed right so you're doing a great thing
0: thank you most urgent question how can we help other people yeah. so i appreciate it thank you phil sure all so much for listening today. In the episode, I bring up a study about Russian adopted children that my therapist told me about. And while I cannot find the specific study, I am linking a very similar one in the blog post that is associated with this episode on the website. Bill also brought up a psychological study, and the one he's talking about is the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment. There is tons of information on this experiment out there, if you simply give it a quick Google. At the end of the episode, Bill also discusses the movie Miracle, and you can watch this with a Disney Plus subscription or you can rent it for $3.99 on YouTube or Apple TV. A big thank you to Podington Bear for making Meaning's theme music. If you want more info about today's episode, head to thecoherecollective.com and click on blog. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can subscribe to our newsletter on thecoherecollective.com so you never miss another episode. For updates on all of our stuff, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at the Cohere Collective, and you can follow me on Instagram at LillianReeseBrown. If you feel so inclined, feel free to leave an honest review or rating. This helps me reach the people who will resonate with my content and hopefully reach my goal of making the world a better place right now I am feeling renewed. I was a little sleepy this morning and even though it's so incredibly lucky that I get to live the life that I do, you know, it's really easy to lose sight of that gratitude sometimes. And so revisiting this episode and recording the intro and outro for it really does serve as a good reminder to be thankful. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really do appreciate it. And I hope you feel like you are living more coherently. I'll catch y'all next time. Love.